Welcome to The Living Podcast. My name is Rosemary Burgos, and this space was created to share my soul's journey through the human experience. It's a place for questioning our thoughts, opening our hearts, and our minds. I hope you enjoy. Today I want to talk about relationships Specifically, I want to talk about in romantic relationships. And then I think I want to segue into parenting relationships with our kids. I recently wrote a post on Instagram about relationships and how we behave in them and where that all stems from. And I kind of just want to dive deeper into that today about how did we learn to receive love. And for this topic, I'm going to use the words love and connection to mean the same thing. I think that's just part of my vocabulary um, that I think connection equals love and love equals connection, regardless of who you're speaking or who you're having a relationship with. So I'm going to invite you to take a jog down memory lane to your childhood. And I want you to think about the memories you have of when you were most celebrated, when you received the most love or connection from your parents or figures that were raising you. How did they express their love? When was it safe for you to show affection? Was affection allowed in your home? Was it not allowed in your home? When were you most praised or paid attention to? Were they positive times or in times of negative? When did you receive that type of praise and that type of love? Was love given and praise given and connection given when you got good grades? Was love given and praise given and connection given when you uh, performed really well on the football field or on the soccer team or on the baseball field? Um, was love and connection given when you did all your chores? Um, what happened when you didn't do those things? Was love and connection still available to you in those moments when you didn't do those things? Were you given more love and connection when you did a lot of things for other people? Were you perhaps called selfish because you didn't do a lot of things for people? These are all ways that we learn to receive love. And it's those years in your childhood, the very young ones, when we start to learn that, that we start to figure out how we need to operate to receive love. So we go to school and then we have teachers and then we learn, oh, this is how I get love from them. This is how I connect with them. Here's how I get the attention and the connection that I need from them. And then we go to after school activities and we have coaches or teachers there and we learn what works to get their connection, their attention, their love. And so if we go back to our childhood and we can look at all those different scenarios and start to pick up the patterns, the, the repetitive moments of how we learn to receive love, uh, you can start to see how you just package that and repackage that for people pretty much your whole entire life. If we Fast forward to relationships, when we start dating boys and girls, we start to learn from them too. Oh, this is when they like me. This is when they don't like me. And we start morphing and adjusting ourselves to, okay, this gets me connection, romantic connection with this person. This person likes me when I behave this way. And we start applying that to all of the men and women we date. And so we'll do this over and over even until we choose our lifetime partner or our marriage partner. I won't say lifetime, maybe 
we think it's our lifetime, but turns out differently. And so if you're picking partners who, let me, let me rewind a little bit. If as a child, you chose giving connection or love when you performed well academically or with big projects, or when you were able to build something by yourself on a project based thing I'm talking about as an adult you might look for a partner who praises you and looks up to you in the way you conduct business the way you work um, the way you perform because that is usually the way you received love and the way you're used to receiving love if you were often criticized and often told what to do and don't have a lot of internal self decision making, you might choose a partner who can tell you exactly how to do things and what to do because that's the only way you know to receive connection or love. So the point of all this is that you learn all these behaviors on how to receive love and then you go through life and just probably as it is as a child, at some point it gets old. And when you first fall in love, it's not necessarily that you see that so clearly because it's an unconscious thing that's happening. And of course, all the other emotions <laughs> and chemicals and hormones in your body um, start to increase and you have all these exciting love, oxytocin, dopamine responses that are just beautiful to experience. And that's fine if it works for you and that's the journey that you have and, and you have a wonderful marriage and, and this does not apply to you. But at some point for some of us, I think we wake up to the fact that this isn't working anymore or this relationship isn't working anymore and we don't understand where all the good things went from the beginning. And sometimes it's because you're tired of the way you've been receiving connection. You're learning that it's not working anymore, that you still feel the same way you felt as a child, but now you're an adult. And so what does that look like when you come to that point? It takes a lot of self-awareness. It takes a lot of consciousness to be able to look at yourself and go, okay, how do I operate with this person? It's almost like kind of an out-of-body experience because you start doing your day-to-day routine and this person comes in and out of your life like as throughout the day right if you're married maybe you live together I don't know and you start noticing that maybe you wake up and you're not in the greatest of mood but the second you see them downstairs you turn on this charm and this happiness because you think that's what they want to see and you don't want to ruin their day and so you take on the responsibility of how you feel triggering someone else or how you feel being responsible for someone else's feelings I actually have a lot of over responsibility when it comes to people and their feelings. And it's been a big unraveling of my pattern to see how I want to protect people from having certain emotional reactions or having to face certain deals because, well, it's going to hurt or it's going to negatively impact them. But what I didn't realize for many years is how that actually stopped me from experiencing the actual joy and the actual blessings and the actual things I needed to experience. It actually created an immense suffering for me because I was taking on everything for everybody. And it was also really arrogant of me to do that because what that meant was that I knew better than they do on what they could handle and what they couldn't handle. And so when we do this in relationships, and again, this isn't just romantic relationships, any relationships, even with our friends, we don't allow, we don't trust them. We don't allow them to experience what they really need to experience in that moment by being honest or by telling them how we truly feel about something. We're actually hiding who we really are to fit 
at who we think they want us to be so that we can feel connected and loved. In my post, I probably made it a, a lot more about dishonesty because it is dishonest. And if you believe that you can have a relationship based on dishonesty and the way you truly feel, then that's fine. You're welcome to journey through life that way. But you don't get to really embody what connection and love really is because you're not willing to give that other person a chance to see you as you are. And I think for women, this is hard because we'll be labeled as too emotional, too moody, crazy, (laughs) all these different lovely adjectives. And we are different men and women. And women naturally have a more feminine system. Most most women do, I would say. I don't even really know if I can say that these days because I feel like I meet a lot of women that are in their masculine energy more than feminine. You know, I have a 14-year-old daughter and this is exactly where we're at with her. It's like any 14-year-old girl in the world has a lot of emotion. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of roller coaster with her. And if you are a parent who wasn't allowed to express their emotions, it can be very confronting when your child is having intense emotions in front of you. And the reality is, is you don't know how to deal with it. So you shut it down as quick as possible, most likely because you weren't allowed to show emotions. You were disconnected from. So to watch somebody have intense emotions that you're not allowed to have or that you haven't been allowed to experience as a child, the only way out is to shut it down as fast as possible. It's like there's a fire brewing and we don't want the flames to get out of hand so we're just going to shut it down. I think for for any type of relationship that can be true in partnership. It's such a nuanced discussion what I'm speaking of because and I almost feel like I'm bouncing around a lot (laughs) between parental and friend and partner but I really don't find there's a difference but for the sake of like giving examples this is where I'm at. But you know for men it's very difficult as well I will say because society has deemed that the roles of a, of a male should be to provide to I am man, hear me roar, um, you know, thumping on the chest, uh, no crying, no weakness shown, no therapy needed, no conversations needed, just go do, 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 do. I think we've done a huge disservice as a society to men because we're, we're, we have a bunch of men out there who have suppressed their emotions, maybe just as, or maybe even more than women have. And I think most women find it actually very attractive when a man can be emotional emotionally available and mentally available as well. When I'm speaking about this, the parts that I think I want to say are, what kind of relationships do you want? Do you want the kind that are very superficial, mindless chatter, asking about the weather, talking about your day, talking about your accomplishments, really just staying on the surface of, I have a great family, watch how perfect my life is, nothing's wrong with me, my relationships are perfect, let's just talk shit about other people. I mean, I lived that life for a long time and it works. It's perfect if that's where you're at and that's the relationships you want to have. I think what I found out was, no, I wanted deeper relationships. I wanted relationships where I could really see and feel intimacy. And again, not just romantically with my friends, with my boyfriend, with my kids. It's actually been a period of a lot of loss for me because in waking up to the fact that I wasn't feeling fulfilled or satisfied with the richness of my life that I desired and I didn't have that, then it it made me want to reevaluate those things and look at them and see how I was behaving. So it's been a huge change for me the last couple years to see myself get out of the very masculine energy that I lived life in and that my patterns ran and move more into my feminine of allowing more nurture 
nurturing, more love, more compassion, and more grace to come in. Uh, It's hard to put into words, but it's like my relationships, period, went from being so fast and so speedy and so focused on the wrong things to so rich, so hearty. Really seeing people in wherever they're at and not in a way that I feel like I need to rescue them or that I need to feel sorry for them. It's just observing and witnessing them in whatever part of the journey they're at and being like, hey, I'm here with you and I have deep love for where you're at. I think it's one of the reasons why when I go places or even in my DMs, I get some really open hearted comments or messages where people tell me things about their life that I'm just honored that they're willing to share with me, that they're willing to let me see because I don't think there's enough of that in the world. And so I get really hyped up and passionate about dishonesty in relationships because I feel like it's all just, it's the idea that we all have a perfect life or that we don't suffer or that we don't have hard times or that we don't run into moments that we may need some compassion and love and grace, that we pretend like we've got it all, that we hold it all on our shoulders, that really keeps perpetuating people's sadness, depression, even mental illness. I feel like if we had a society that focused on more connection, more love with each other, more honesty, we would probably have a lot less problems. But we're all fighting an internal battle inside. We all have things we don't want people to see. We all have behaviors, shitty ones that we don't want people to see. And I think what this part of, well, I know this journey that I'm currently on is about letting that all be seen. Letting my messiness out. Letting people see how I hurt. Letting people see how I love. And a lot of it is more because I truly believe that's the way to live for me. Open-hearted, full of wanting to connect and see people. If that's other people out there, I certainly want them to feel that they can have that. I have that. And I love people from my past, even the ones that have been my biggest teachers, even, you know, in relationships, my ex-boyfriends, my ex-husband. Like I have deep, deep love for all of them because I wouldn't know who I was or who I'm becoming or who I really am if it weren't for the journey that I walked with them. Nor would I be able to see all these built-in patterns that kept me getting connection and love from a place that wasn't really the spot. So if I bring this all back to my parenting, It's really been hard to raise my kids with the permission to express themselves and to be wildly emotional, but I want them to be honest about how they feel all the time. And it's been a really big lesson for me to see how I react to them expressing that type of emotion or or that intensity of emotion, because it's shown me where I don't have acceptance of that for myself. It's also giving my kids wild permission and hopefully teaching them to trust themselves with what they feel and how they feel and to be honest in relationships. That's really hard, I think, especially in the teenage years, to be a small percentage of the population in a high school that is allowed to be chaotic, is allowed to be emotionally messy. Because I think a lot of kids out there are raised not allowed to have that experience. Now, when a kid is at school in high school and is with a bunch of other children who aren't allowed to express themselves at home fully and they see this person express themselves fully, it's a problem. It's not allowed. This results in a lot of judgments, a lot of opinions, a lot of you can't be that way. I can't be that way. How dare you be that way? And that is a sign when our kids come home and are talking about disapproval of 
of another child in their class who is expressing a lot of emotions or perhaps is having a tough time, that our child must not have a lot of grace and compassion when they have a tough time. That's obviously learned behavior and it takes a lot of courage and awareness to see where did my child learn that? Who around them, including myself, is responsible for teaching them that that's not okay? And how do we have more compassion and grace for children to share all these emotions? Because if we're not giving them permission to share all these emotions, then we're only teaching them to suppress their emotions. We're teaching them that they need to behave in a certain way to get love and connection, that it's not all right for them just to be who they are and how they feel. And of course it looks messy. They're young. This is deep, deep practice. Even at 41, it never stops. We all have our own triggers and our own ways of being scared to be alone, being scared of disconnection. So how do we work through that? Well, we have to face it. There's a lot of what I spend time in, in our coaching calls one-on-one with people is how, how do you face the things that you don't want to face? How do you see it? How do you become aware of it? Because it's easy to put the blame on somebody else. It's easy to say your partner's being an asshole. They don't get me. They just don't want to help. They're lazy. Oh, my kid's just a problem child. They just don't care about anyone but themselves. They don't consider what I had to do to provide this life that I'm providing for them. I've heard people say, you know, I almost died giving birth to my child and they'll use that to tell their children that. And it's like, man, why would you ever put that on your child? Why would you want to? You know, I have to be careful with my kid. My son has said to me in the past, I know you have a lot going on, mom, so I don't want to bother you. I'm like, no, 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 no. I always have time for you. And you're never a bother. What can we do? What do you want to do? I never want him to feel like he's a burden on me. I never want him to feel like he can never not express himself because I have a lot going on at work or in my life or his sister's having a tough time right now and a lot of attention's on her. These are the moments that it takes more of us as parents being well-resourced in ourselves to be able to hold these moments that aren't easy with our children. And I am by no means saying that I don't mess up, that people don't mess up. (laughs) I have been guilty of, you know, screaming. I have been guilty of yelling. I'm definitely not perfect, but I'm consciously always working on how I show up in relationship with my kids, my partner, with my friends. Because if I can't be honest, I don't know what the point is anymore. Because I'm really not showing who I really am and I'm really missing out on the journey of why I'm here on earth. And it takes deep, deep vulnerability to share that part of me. It requires a lot of attention and presence to share when I'm unhappy or when something's hurt my feelings. And not from a place of you need to fix it from a place of, wow, that really sucked. Can we do that better? How do we work through that better? And it is harder in partnerships romantically because you have to live with somebody because you have to have a life with somebody. Maybe you have kids with somebody and now you it's not just you and that person anymore. You have kids around you who need your attention. And so how do you stay present with every single person? How do you stay conscious or awake with every interaction? And you also have to get to a point where you have your boundaries of what's yours to handle and what's not yours to handle. I go back to my over-responsibility that I have. I'm not responsible for fixing all my kids' problems. I'm not responsible for making them stop crying. I'm not responsible for them not experiencing a bad thing in life as much as I hate to watch it. I'm responsible for helping 
not even helping them, guiding them maybe if they want to be guided, but most of all, letting them have their experience and letting them know that I'm there to walk through their experience with them, to be supportive to their experience. It's not easy when your spouse or your child comes home and has had a bad day at school or at work. Maybe they've got a shitty boss. Maybe they have really poor friends that are picking on them. And of course, as a spouse, as a loving, caring spouse, you have a lot of opinions about that. You have a lot of judgments about that. You have a lot of instantly reactionary feeling. And at the same time, it's not yours to fix. It's not yours to tell your partner how to fix it. It's yours to say, how can I sit with you here while you go through this? How can I not judge whatever feelings you're having and just be with you here in this moment? That's what builds people's attention. I don't even think I'd call it attention. It it builds their capacity to be able to handle difficult times because we're all going to have them. No one gets to live on earth without having difficult times. You know, everybody's quick to go to anger. Anger's very easy to get to. I used to operate a lot from anger. And the truth is, is anger just covers hurt. It just covers pain. I recently had a friendship fall apart. I had a moment where I was not at great capacity. I was going through a lot personally. Um, I was watching some people I loved go through some life or death situations and I snapped at my friend. And when I went to apologize and clean it up, I was not greeted with compassion, grace, or empathy. I was greeted with a lot of anger and I understand the anger, rightly so. I did do something wrong. And just because I apologize doesn't mean they have to accept it. It doesn't mean that they're done reviewing their side of things and perhaps they want to not make amends because I have awakened something that was much deeper in them. I've triggered a pain that they have felt before somewhere in their life and they don't want to feel it again. So it's best to cut me off and to shut me out. I know that part really well too because I've done it a million times to people. The hard part, the real teacher, the real practice is how can I stay in connection with you even after there's been an incident? And it's only available if the other person wants it. It's not available if the other person's not ready for it. And if this friend ever came to me and said, hey, I'd like to meet and reconnect. I'd like to have a conversation. I'd like to catch up. I would be 100% open to it. I'm not upset or mad or hurt that they aren't ready to forgive me or they're not ready to move on from my blip of yelling at them. But if they ever wanted to reconnect, I would be oh so happy because that's what I'm here for. That's the depthness of our relationship. If we can get through the difficult moments without blaming each other, without having to make someone the enemy. I live a life that does not, well, I shouldn't say does not, but I try my hardest not to live in victim consciousness. I chose my teacher specifically because I don't want to live in victim consciousness. And that requires a lot of looking at yourself and saying, how did I participate? Where did I do something that might have caused friction or things like that? And again, I'll say it just because someone always twists words and says things. This isn't to say bad things don't happen to people. They do. This is just in relationships right now when I'm talking about this. It's like, how did I participate to cause that to happen? If I just wanted to say, oh, I yelled, I yelled at her but she should just get over it I'm not looking at myself if I wasn't even aware to say like I did nothing wrong she made me mad so I yelled at her and that she was deserving of that no absolutely not I'd be operating in victim consciousness I'd be in a spot of wanting to not make myself wrong to not want to own my part in this relationship and I think that's really the message here is like the the depth of your relationships that you have is a reflection of yourself how deep you're willing to go how intimate you're willing to be how revealed you are willing to be seen by the this other person and it's not easy but for me there's just no other way to live except life with that with that richness with that depthness and it's not for everyone so I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and 
And if you feel called, you can always check on my website. We can have a connection call or a discovery call to chat about where you're at in your life and if there's a possibility of wanting to work together. Thank you for listening to The Living Podcast with Rosemary Burgos. If you're interested in finding out ways to work with me or to set up a connection call to get to know each other, please visit my website, rosemaryburgos.com. Have a blessed day.